Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. For the rest of our time, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. Luke 1. I'll begin with a Little League story just to get us headed in the direction. I played Little League a little bit, and uh, when I was probably 10, 11 or so, I may have been around this guy's age, I think I was a little bit older, uh, the coach invited me to get in the game. And it was a little bit, it was memorable because I was invited to play with the, like on an all-star team with some of the older guys. And uh, I really believed that the plan was, I'll get to wear the uniform, but I'll sit the bench. Like, I was, that's, and so that's what was happening uh, until Mo Myers, that was his name, coaches. Mo, Mo looked at me, maybe it was in the middle of a game, and I was sitting there in my, you know, being a little dorky, ah, with my glove. Oh, good guys, way to go, you guys. And uh, Mo said, next inning, Mark, I want you to play first base. And I remember going, What? Like, no, these are, because some of these guys would kind of like my heroes people because they were older, just one grade older. But I remember going, no, no, Mo, I'm supposed to sit here on this bench. But long story short, like he invited me into the game. We're going to talk a little bit about that. He invited me into the game. By the way, it didn't go well. I think his name was Mitch Hogue. I was warming up the... Out the infielders, you know, first base, then sometimes they'll, you know, like, roll the ball, and then they throw it back. It may have been the first warm-up. I threw it. The third baseman, it could have been Mitch Hogue, who was, he had, to, anyway, threw it to Mitch. And it was, it was getting dark, you know, where the lights were coming on, but it was the shadow thing. And I still remember going, threw it to him, and he, and I went, I can't see the ball. <laughs> Hit me right here. It's okay, I recovered. <laughs> Laid me out, Mo came out, picked me up, took me back to the bench, <laughs> sat me on the bench. But anyway, that wasn't the point. The point was, I sorta got invited into the game. Here's where we're headed with that. This is true, regularly, you can put it up on the screen. Life regularly invites us into the game. It happens. Folks, whether you're in elementary school and you're sitting in class and the teacher says, okay, now you come to the whiteboard and do the math problem. Get in the game. Maybe it's later, you get in the game financially because you're 17 and you're going to go on a date and so you go to your parents and you say, hey, I got a date tonight. Could I have some cash for gas? And they look at you and say, no, it's your date. Figure out your own, right? No, you get in the game or maybe it's when some of us are parents. I remember when we had our first uh, child, our daughter Leah, and Denise did most of the work in the midst of the baby born. And then she spent probably two days in the hospital. And when you're in the hospital, they're like nurses and people that are helping you. And I remember when they said, okay, here, take your baby home. And like, are you guys coming with us? No. <laughs> Yo, baby, good luck. And Okay, I guess we're doing this now. A little bit of a shift. 
here. This is absolutely true in our spiritual life. When we connect with God regularly, there are moments where he'll say, okay, you're in the game. You become a new Christian and someone says to you, will you pray? You pray before the meal. Or for me, I was a young adult and the pastor was out of town and he said, hey, for the meeting tonight, will you do a devotional? Okay, I'm on. Or it could be as simple as your friend realizes you're a Christian and they're not a Christian and they ask you somehow, how do you know that they're that God is real and you're on just to be clear most of the times God shows up in individuals lives I think it would be most of the times in the Bible he doesn't just show up to say hi he shows up and he brings assignments to us Old Testament Moses God's speaks through a burning bush and he gave him an assignment i got something for you to do the disciples jesus said follow me and i will make you and teach you how to fish for men in first peter 2 there's some broad assignments it says you're a chosen people god's special possession isn't that sweet you are god's special possession that you may do something Declare the praises of him who called you. I think we have one more verse. Matthew 5, 14 describes a follower of Jesus as the light of the world. Goes on to say, let your light shine. Get in the game. So hold those thoughts. We're kicking off our Christmas series called Mary's Christmas. And we're going to explore what it was like when Mary, the mother of Jesus, gets invited into the Christmas story. By the way, she really gets invited to be in the game. So we're going to learn from uh, this text where an angel comes to Mary. The setting is... Mary is probably 15-ish, just a young lady. She is engaged. She probably thinks she has plenty on her plate, right? She's going to be getting married. But into that, God sends an angel to her. And here's how the Bible describes her calling. Luke 1.26, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Later in verse 33, it says, His kingdom will never end 
How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And in verse 38, Mary's response, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Title of the talk this week is called into the Christmas story. And I want to answer the question, what, is Mary's, what did Mary's calling involve or what did it look like? I think the application for this is many of us, a bunch of us, probably are interested in being used by God. So that's like why we're in church. We're like, I'd like to have a purpose beyond just myself. I'd like for God to use me in, in loving my neighbor or helping the poor or sharing the gospel or starting. Does that, that's, and so I think for us to explore what Mary's call or calling looked like will help us so we won't miss maybe an opportunity that God has for us. So let's pray. Father, talk to us today. Talk to us the next few weeks over the Christmas season. The best part of us doesn't want to miss an opportunity. So set us up, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Two things I want to explore about Mary's calling. The first one is this. Mary's calling was significantly stretching or challenging. Significantly stretching. It was no small call. To explore this, I want to slowly think through verse 31 and what it was that the angel is asking her, asking of her, right? You will conceive. Oh, that's going that's to affect, what, nine months of her physical being? It's a thing. Give birth. Might want to set a day aside, full day. That's a full day, <laughs> my guess. Probably more than a full day, recovery. A little idea that I'd never had before. The angel says, and you are to call him Jesus. And it would take a little flexibility here because she doesn't even get to name him. So she can't Google, you know, best baby names in the year zero. Just, and you might think, well, after all that, and I really think this is legit. I wonder if there was any disappointment. I don't get that. Nope. We already got it all set out for you, Mary. This is the way it's going to happen. Oh, one more thing. This might feel a little creepy. But when Mary says, because she's a virgin, she says, how will this be? She only gets one sentence of clarity. Oh, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. If I were Mary, I would go, can I, any more details on what that's going to be like? Because I don't have a lot of experience with it, right? So the point is that this is not some small inconvenience or an adjustment. If you got to talk to Mary the next day and she said, an angel came to me yesterday. And then you said, gosh, well, what was that about? And she would go, oh, it's not that big a deal. That's not what she would say. This is a life change. 
So if you want to write something down, you can write this. God didn't just tweak Mary's life. He kind of took over. And it's really important for us to know this when we talk about receiving a calling or a challenge or an invitation from God. A good question for us, if we really want to be used by God and experience a calling, this will just come up on the screen. How willing am I to get my life altered by God? That's a good question. Or how we answer that question will affect how much we hear from the Lord, I think. I know my experience with God is when he uh, uh, gets involved, he's kind of in charge. When I became a Christian, I was 20 years old. I was sitting in a church service. I would have been about like over here in this row. It was a different sanctuary, of course. But I, I, it's the first time I clearly ever heard the voice of God. I didn't hear him with my ears, but I knew what God wanted me to do. And he wanted me to walk 30 feet and kneel down. I, that was all he said, go up there and kneel down. It's funny, he didn't, he didn't give me options. He didn't say, hey, I'll give you three options. You can either kneel down or I'll let you go over this. That, that, it, it was just, that's what I want you to do. Uh, I said no. And then I was miserable for two weeks. Two weeks later, I was in the same church. I mean, I don't want to overstate miserable, but it, it, it bugged me. And I remember, I think this is other times where I heard the voice of God in that two weeks where he kind of was just reminding me. So I asked you to walk. You call yourself a Christian, Mark. This is what he would remind me. You call yourself a Christian. I asked you to walk 30 feet and kneel down, and you wouldn't do it. It was a challenging couple of weeks. Two weeks later, I was probably sitting in the same spot in the church. Guess what he came back and said? I want you to go up front of the, in front, walk 30 feet, and kneel now. At that time, I did it. He's not afraid to just say, this is the, the I'm, by the way, he would say, I'm God, and I'm going to tell you the plan. And then, of course, after that, he dug into other areas of my life that I didn't ask him to get involved in. You know, I got involved in my dating life and my money life and my major in college life. Okay, bad illustration, but anybody know who this guy is? Gordon Ramsay? Yeah. When he, I don't, I don't uh, uh, particularly care for what he seems like he does, but I've seen commercials and stuff. This is my guess, um, is when he comes into the kitchen, he's in charge. Is that the way it works? Like Gordon's in charge. And so if you need a, a, a worldly illustration, like when God comes into your kitchen, he's in charge. It's worth noting that this idea of being willing to be flexible or being willing to obey him and his will is even in smaller things that may not to have to do with calling, there's an example in John chapter 9 of Jesus' desire to heal a man who's been blind. So here's the text. This guy's been blind his whole life. 
And Jesus has a healing plan. Here's his healing plan. It says he, that's Jesus, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. My guess is blind guy, that may not have been his first choice for the medical procedure. What about you? Right? I've thought of this multiple times. Because the guy's blind, but he's not deaf. And you know, Jesus says, and so Jesus, and this is what the, you know, the blind guy hears. Right? If I were the blind guy, I'm like, what, what, what are we doing? <laughs> Hold still. <laughs> right? Then Jesus says, go wash, and you'll see. But here's, Jesus didn't say, well, I got three out. He just said, this is the plan. But if the guy doesn't walk in the plan that Jesus directs, he doesn't get the results that he actually wants or that the Lord's trying to bring in his life. If you want an assignment, you can read an interesting story in 2 Kings 5. 2 Kings 5, there's another man who would like to be healed. His deal is leprosy. One of his friends, he's not a, he's not a Jewish person. He's not in the faith. He's on the outside. But somebody says to him, his name's Naaman, and says, you should go to those Jews over there, to this prophet guy, because he could heal your leprosy. So uh, you can read the whole story. It's more involved than what I'm saying. But basically, Naaman, who's a big guy in the military, it's like a commander. And so he goes to the prophet's house with his chariot and probably his group of army buddies because he's kind of a big deal. And when he gets in front of the prophet's house, here's what the prophet does. It says, Elisha sent a messenger out to him and said, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River and your flesh will be restored. If you read the story, it's interesting because Naaman gets offended at the process and he gets frustrated because he expects, well, I would at least expect that the prophet would come out himself because the prophet doesn't even leave the house. He just, yeah, just go tell the guy to go dunk himself seven times in the Jordan. So Naaman gets frustrated. He's like, I can't believe he wouldn't come out himself, and he wants a big show. Like, I want, I want him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call it, right? And if you read the story, he almost misses out on his healing. Luckily, somebody who cares about him says, come on, man. I don't think he said man back in that day, but he said, he said, and he, and he, he, he receives it. But the idea of God has a plan, he brings it to us, and rarely asks our opinion. It's just a huge opportunity. So we'll finish this point with this question, how open am I to the lordship of God in my life? To trusting him and his terms and his ideas and his plans rather than pushing back on everything he teaches us and asks us to do. A word to the control, control freaks among us. Anybody? Lean. Some of you are like, I'm not raising my hand. 
you just identified yourself. Uh, I don't know what to say to the control freaks among us. It's a problem with God. It, it, it will not serve us well. Okay, so Mary's calling was significantly stretching. Second thing, her calling was service-oriented. Or at least servant. Her response was incredibly humble and servant-oriented. She, say, she says in verse 38, after this huge assignment, going to use your womb for nine months, then you're going to give birth, and by the way, then you're going to parent God for however long. She says, I am the Lord's servant. She could have said other things that would have been valid in the context of this. She could have said, right, because she just had an angel come to her. She could have said, I am the Lord's special one. Because Gabriel came to her. She could have said, I am the Lord's favored. Because the angel said, you are highly favored. She could have said, I am going to be God's mom. But that's not her approach. So I just want to notice her posture was, I am the Lord's servant. The word servant there is actually more often translated slave, which in our culture, you know, it's like, oh, you get slave. But in the spiritual sense, in the biblical sense, and here's where we'll dwell for a moment. To be a servant of God, to be a slave of God is not negative. It's like the greatest opportunity you could ever, 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 ever have. Is if the Lord said, hey, I have an assignment for you to say, I will do that. There is nothing better for your present life or for all eternity than to have served the Lord. It's a privilege. <laughs> if you could talk, if in heaven we ever get to talk to Mary, guarantee she'll have no regrets about her servant attitude on this day. Here's a fill in the blank. There is no greater honor than to serve the Lord. There is no greater honor than to respond to God with a yes. Some of us might have hopes and dreams and things, some things that we might get really jazzed about. Like, oh, wow, that, wouldn't it be great if we got the vacation of our lifetime? Do you know what would be even better than the vacation of your lifetime? Opportunity to serve God. Or wouldn't it be great if our kids grew up to... Wouldn't it be great if I actually, you know, made it through my college program and came out on the other side? Those are nice things. But can I, could we just pull those down in the rank of our heart? Like, oh, if I could just... And could we raise up? What about if we were like, man, if I just had an opportunity to serve God today, there's nothing better than that. Matthew 10, 39. 
Whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake, Jesus said, will find it. In my mind, there's a revelation of service to God for those of us who find it. Or in eternity, we'll realize it, any, we'll realize it more like that was the special opportunity in life was when we got to say yes to God. And some of the things that we live for now will probably feel a little foolish and go, I can't believe I spent that much time and energy pursuing that. And I should have spent more time pursuing serving God. So last question, and this is a challenge for us as we move into the Christmas season and if we move into the rest of our day, the rest of our lives, it'll come up on the screen. Well, I watch for and respond to God's call this Christmas. And hopefully our answer is that. Well, I watch for, is yes. Uh, well, I watch for and respond to God's call this Christmas. We won't regret it. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.